so um, we've done a few weeks now of a relationship series, and, and we thought it to kind of put an end to this series, at least for the for the time being, that uh, we would talk about dating and, and what it's like to date in, in 2022. And uh, not only are we welcoming back our, our co-hostess, uh, Justine Hamilton, but uh, we're bringing on uh, Katie Clark, um, who is a dating coach and matchmaker. So for those of you that uh, are uh, looking to get in a relationship, want to get in a relationship, or hoping to get in a relationship, this is an episode for you. Um, we have a little fun with uh, with Katie on this and uh, her sp- perspective. Uh, I wouldn't call it unique, um, but instead of telling you what you want to hear, she tells you what you need to hear. Um, it's kind of old school rules with a, a new school style. And I think you'll uh, you'll really enjoy listening to Katie. And, and Dana, I think there was some important things that came out of this uh, conversation with Katie. Well, uh, just to let everybody know if they want to read about her, that uh, her website is Dating with Katie. And uh, I would say that she has a very, very uh, strong opinion about, you know, what it takes for men and women to be able to successfully negotiate a relationship. And uh, I was actually kind of surprised by how uh, specific she was about the different ways of approaching things and what's required of men and women. Uh, Again, a very traditional approach, but I think she had a lot of important things to say. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Dating with Katie. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we open up to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. Coming to you from our studio in Santa Barbara, California, this is the Fear Me Out podcast. We're not your typical self-help program. Our show takes a deep dive into those psychological issues that affect us on a daily basis. We hope to shift your perspective and have you experiencing emotions differently. Now here are your hosts, Kim Foskey and Dr. Dana Saperstein. So this is an episode that I've actually been looking forward to for for a couple months now. And we finally got our schedules together uh, to to actually to make it happen. Um, We continue. um, Maybe we're at the tail end now of our relationship series. So we thought it would be not only informational, but, but fun to talk about, uh, to talk about dating in 2022 and, and what's that like? Um, I happened to stumble upon Katie's website, uh, many months ago when Dana and I were talking about, uh, potentially doing a series on relationships and, uh, being the primal man, her, her looks struck me first, but once I got over, <laughs> once I got over that, um, I got into her content and uh, realized um, that she wasn't the traditional person out on social media sitting there telling you what you want to hear, but she was telling you what you need to hear. And she was kind of old school with an updated perspective, and I, I really appreciated that. And I thought our listeners would really appreciate her perspective as well. So. This is for those who are single. I guess I'm maybe the only single person here. Um, those that are going to be single and those that want to be single today. So, 
Anyway, Katie, or Katie, I'm sorry, uh, dating and Katie kind of go together there. So Katie, uh, <laughs> welcome. And this is uh, Katie Clark, Dating with Katie uh, episode. So how does one become a dating coach and matchmaker? So surprisingly, my background has no depth in psychology or uh, things that you would think, oh, I want to be a matchmaker growing up. But believe it or not, I remember finding it, going through my parents' house, an old article, a newspaper article that I wrote all about love and a perfect prom and different things like that. So it's always been within me. But as a mom, when I was married, I was a missionary in China. And being in a job, being in a relationship like that, you know, I had three kids, I was married. I loved people. So I'm in a foreign country. I'm meeting everybody. I open a restaurant because I like people. So ultimately, fast forward 10 years, I get divorced. I still love people. But now I get to go meet as many as I want being single. And I also learned that being pretty and taking good care of myself was very helpful in the dating market. I didn't seem to have problems like everybody else did. So combining those two, just loving people and going on a lot of dates, I went on a date for a company and ultimately ended up working for him. So I'm working for Sync Matchmaking. And I remember thinking, I should do this job. And I literally asked them. I said, Erica, after she put me on the date with Ted, I said, can I join your team? And that's that. How long ago was that? About nine years ago. And, and so how big is your clientele? How, how big of a practice do you have? So we are a company, it's called Sync Matchmaking, C-I-N-Q-E.com. You can check us out. We have multiple matchmakers. So you kind of work as an independent contractor in a sense, and you get your own clients, but we work as a team, as a huddle. And our database has got thousands and thousands of amazing people. And that's really important when you're finding a matchmaker. It's how big is their Rolodex? And I think that's what's important. We have one in Dubai, Miami, Canada, Denver, and I'm here in Orange County in LA. Um, and really, we can take clients anywhere because we do network with other matchmakers and our database is so full. So that's there's so many important questions to ask if you are going to hire a matchmaker. But those are some key components of women who are doing a great job in matchmaking. So, so you already offered up the segue. Why would somebody hire a matchmaker? Because they're busy doing what they do well. <laughs> they, that's, I, this is what I'm good at. I know more women than you'll ever swipe right on. And I'll get you more dates without any of the work. I mean, we just had a client, 33, wants to get married, works for the Ravens. Great young guy, but he's busy working. He does all the analytics for the Ravens. And he, for nine months, is focused. So when his three months of free summer comes up, we literally had dates lined up for him. You know, pre-approved women that he was interested in. We set the date up. We're like the Ritz-Carlton of matchmaking. You know, we really do the whole gamut where we set the date up. We do feedback. We check in on everybody. Lots of texts. You know, are you ready for your date tomorrow? Did you text her? How's the communication going? 
So our clients are just busy with life and they don't want to be spending the time swiping on what I say, 80% of people who shouldn't be dating. So you got to find the 20%. So, so obviously there's a, probably a significant cost involved in, in this. So I, I'm assuming that the people that sign up for a matchmaking service are looking for a long-term relationship or, or looking for marriage. Would that assumption be correct? You'd be surprised. Okay. <laughs> Not everybody is. I do coaching as well. And I will say my coaching clients seem a little bit more focused because in matchmaking with our company, we give you unlimited dates. So sometimes for them, they just want to go date. I took a big, very famous client last year who just broke up with another very famous woman and he just wanted to date. He just wanted to have fun. And we do preface that when we speak to a match, a potential match, we say, hey, look, this guy's serious. He wants to get married. You might have to move to where he lives, like like my guy in Baltimore. Or, hey, this guy's just looking for fun. And as I say, there's an ass for every saddle. So you just got to find that person. Besides expectations, what else do you look for when you're making a match between a man and a woman? I mean, everyone has their expectations which I try to tell them to let go of because when you make these matches, it's very one dimensional. It's a photo, it's a bio, you don't know their energy, how they, you know, come off. But for me, I call it the picture frame. Do they even look cute together? Does this make sense? Can their reality actually work? Just because you, you think she's hot. I know her background and it's crazy messy and she's busy with her kids, I don't care how hot she is, she doesn't have time for you. And and there you go, like, like Kim said, I'm gonna be honest, you can take her out, but she probably won't go on a second date with you because you have different alignments. So you talked about not being a psychologist and, and what ultimately drew you to this profession. But I, I'm sure there's a lot of psychology that, that goes into matchmaking, whether you're a psychologist or not, in, in terms of actually putting people together, making sure their personalities actually potentially are a match. Um, so I'm wondering how much goes into that, and are there clients that you just say, hey, listen, you're, you're either not right for me or you shouldn't even be dating at all? I actually address that in my podcast discussing how 80% of people who are out there dating aren't even ready to be dating. Believe it or not, I took a poll on my Instagram and 33% of my followers said they just jump into dating before they even prepare themselves versus the others said they want their ducks in a row. A lot of men want that. Or I'm doing the work to get myself ready. So that's a little bit scary, to be honest. Um, but it's, it's essential I, I mean, there just comes a point where it's common sense, but common sense isn't so common anymore. So that's why I got to keep it real with people. There are, and you talked about this, you know, um, I just spoke about this. Someone's like, I'm a seven, eight on this scale. I'm an ENJF. I don't know what these things mean because what I do know, if he really likes you, he doesn't care what you are. He doesn't care where you live. A man will put effort in. 
they're, they're not actually going after your Myers-Briggs uh, thing? No. <laughs> it, it, it is funny because like I had mentioned in, in the intro here, I am the, the single person in this panel today. Um, so I've had experience not only dating organically, which is actually my preferred method, um, and also have done, you know, some of the online things. I've not had much luck online. I've had met some really good people on there and, and maintained some good friendships from it. But, uh, um, you know, I've always had better luck organically. And I don't, I'm not one of these people that have problems meeting people. It's meeting the right person for me. That way. So I have a question because I'm not a huge fan of organic. What's your approach? Do you have a line? Do you have a place where you feel comfortable? Like, is it kids' yeah. soccer matches, <laughs> the grocery store? Like, why don't you share your approach? Because you seem to like it. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if I have a specific approach. I, I, I'm probably like you. I'm, I'm personable in a way and, and hopefully not lecherous in, in, in a way where people or, or women think that I'm threatening. Um, I just strike up a conversation. I look, whether it's in a coffee shop, um, whether it's at, it's working out, whether it's at a kid's soccer match or a kid's sporting event, I look for some commonality and I start a, a conversation. I, I, in fact, well, you know, I recently went to Belize and, and I actually met a girl in a rural airport in Belize that uh, that I ended up spending the the last five days with, and she actually came back for a week with me in Santa Barbara there. So Impressive. How old was she? Oh, you don't want to know that. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, wait, wait. So, wait, so that's a good, I mean, that's a good point um, that I was going to bring up later if it came up, but now that it's come up is that, um, apparently age matters, right? And, and I know it matters, especially in American culture and especially with, with women and what they think about, and I'll let Justine chime in on this as well, what they think about older guys dating younger women because it seems that's more prevalent than older women dating younger guys. So, Katie, you have an opinion as the expert on that? There's like seven things right there I have opinions on. Um, <laughs> oh boy, I so set myself up for that, didn't I? Every guy is going to go out to that market and he's going to need to get his wiggles out. He's going need to need to date that younger girl who, yes, yeah, she might be prettier. She might be less bitter, but she's too young. And he'll figure it out. He almost needs to so he can see that she doesn't even know who the Rolling Stones are. And the irony is that all these 30-year-old guys are hitting on us 40, 50-year-old women because they know that we know what we like. We're better in bed. We're more confident. <laughs> so go get your wiggles out. I always tell people, <laughs> get the wiggles out. And come back when you're serious. And the, the, the truth of it is men are looking for three things. And it doesn't matter your age because I agree. It's not about the age. It's about the energy of someone. Mm -hmm. And men are looking for someone who is fun, mm -hmm. especially in our age range, because we've all been divorced now, or we've gone through some yucky stuff with people. And we all have baggage. So round two, maybe round three, we want fun. We want to do life 
good with somebody this time. And then they're looking for a woman who's fit. She has to keep herself well. This is a tough market. And it's it's easy nowadays to take care of everything. I mean, really, let's, let's all be honest and say we all pay a little money. Upkeep is good. Um, so fun, fit, and feminine. And a woman at any age who is those three things is hot on the market. So I don't necessarily think it's about age. You know, uh, Kate, it's interesting that you say that because people ask me all the time, you know, what the best way is to approach dating after the end of a marriage or whatever. And what I try to encourage people to do is make themselves as shiny as possible because uh, human beings are really attracted to shiny. Like you can't walk (laughs) down the street and if you see something shining somewhere and not go and see what it is. So I don't care what age you are or or what... uh, you know, what sex you are, the shinier you make yourself, the more likely it is that people will be attracted to you. And that's doing the work. Right. I actually call that my four foundations. Um, I absolutely agree with you. I think everyone should take some time. I used to be frumpy. When I left my marriage, I was married to a pastor. We were missionaries. I had three little kids. We had no money. And we lived in China. I did not look like this. I ended up working in fashion part-time, styling myself better, dating men that were very sophisticated, learning that lifestyle, but also being proud of the 2.0 that I created. And my kids will attest to it. They're like, yeah, my mom's, she's like better on the market now. It's, I say it like this. If two houses are for sale on the same street, which, and people are driving down the street, they're going to want to go in the house that has the new paint, the fresh flowers that did an outside upgrade. Now, ultimately you hope the bones in the house are good and inside is quality as well, but people see the outside first. Everybody is visual. And so for all these things us women do, you men should be doing a few of those too, by the way, we'll fix here, a little tuck here. Little Botox never hurt any man. Did you hear that, Dana? <laughs> Botox. Yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> you know, I'm really embarrassed doing this podcast because I have not been on a date since 1978. He's lucky. Well, you're one of the lucky ones. I'm really lucky. Because you're married. You, you found the, you found the, uh, the unicorn. The keeper. The yep. unicorn. I am really super lucky in that regard, but it makes me at a huge disadvantage because... <laughs> I can't even remember what it's like to be on a date. <laughs> but you should still be dating her. Well, I am. Getting creative, being thoughtful. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that as Kim and I have talked about, and Justine also, yeah, of course you got to work on the relationship, otherwise it's going to yeah. die, for sure. So so you brought up an interesting point, um, especially, and I don't know what percentage of your clientele is post-divorce, what percentage is older and haven't been married before or have, haven't been in long-term relationships before. But I think you brought up an important point because when I got divorced 11 years ago, I didn't date somebody for about 18 months after um, because and this is covered in, in previous Fear Me Out podcasts, but but there was work that that I knew I needed to do on myself there were familiar patterns that attracted me to a certain kind of woman that I didn't want to be attracted to again. And so I knew, um, with the help of a good psychologist, that I needed to um, 
work on myself before I could actually go out into the dating pool again. So I guess the question to you, Katie, if you're still there, um, okay. Um, is, do you spend, and I'm not talking about the matchmaking side, but I'm talking about your coaching side. Do you spend time, um, working with clients that you feel need to be working on themselves before they actually enter into the dating pool? Huge. And even with my matchmaking clients, I am a 24, almost seven uh, coach. You know, dating isn't just Monday through Friday, nine to five. You went out Saturday night. He treated you weird or she acted funny. You don't know what to send at the end of the night, what text. So I'm highly available to my clients. Um, But at the same time, sometimes you have to regress. And when I ask those questions, well, why weren't you successful in your last two marriages? Are you picking the same? And it's hard. It's very hard. My coaching clients know that I'm going to coach them. So they're okay with it. But my matchmaking clients don't always love it. They just want another date. Just give me another girl. Just give me another guy. And that's not the answer. So the matchmaking clients are looking for the quick fix. The, the find me the unicorn. I, I'm fine as long as you find them for me. Correct. So case in point, I have a gentleman. He loves to hunt like so much that there's probably 40 animals in his house. Very difficult to find a woman who's good with that. <laughs> it's okay. we, have, and it's, we have a stuffed surfboard <laughs> right behind us here. So, yeah. And I remember saying, well, she's cool with it, but she loves hot yoga. And she's not, she doesn't necessarily want to hunt with you, but she's okay that you do that. But she loves to do her hot yoga. And he said, well, no, she has to do what I like to do. I said, well, good. Then you better go do hot yoga. <laughs> like, well, I don't want to do that. So sometimes, I mean, I love my clients, but you can only push so much. You know how men are. They have to figure it out on their own. So when, you're, when you meet somebody who's clearly narcissistic, and I, I'm not necessarily referring to this guy you were talking about, how do you handle trying to help someone that has a hard time taking responsibility for themselves? You know, I raised three great kids, and accountability is huge for me. No one's a victim. But I say that we all have a slight piece of narcissism in ourselves. So I guess just being blunt and I use a lot of word pictures. So when they start to do something, I rephrase it in a story and then they go, well, that's not good. And then they catch the the parallel. That seems to work. So some people can actually have some insight, even though it may not seem like it at first. Yeah. I think everybody's able to grow. I mean, I'm honest enough to be honest. So, you know, and I think it's because I actually really care about people and I want them to be successful in dating and life and whatever. But, you know, maybe they didn't have a mom who told them the truth. Well, here comes Katie. What what are some of the biggest things that come up to you when you do start coaching those clients? Like, is there a common theme of like, it's something in particular? Well, I think two things. Number one, everyone's list is ridiculous. They want perfection. They want bank accounts. They're looking for a lot of shallow, insignificant things rather than efforts, thoughtfulness, um, 
you know, I don't care if he's short. I don't, I don't care if he's tall. Because tall doesn't pay the bills. Tall doesn't remember your anniversary. So that's where that needs to end. But then on the opposite side, a lot of people lack standards of what they'll put up with. So they end up putting up with someone who is unkind, uh, rude to them, and who just doesn't give them any of their personal time. And you see this record player in their head who just wants to hold on to it rather than taking the record off, cracking it, and getting a new you know playlist. So how much does your intuition play into uh, matching people? I'd say a lot. Yeah. And how does that, how do you exercise that in your life and in your profession? I'm honest about that as well. For example, a man like might really like a woman. She's very put together. She's got her Chanel purse. Her nails are done. I can see what she's wearing is expensive. Now, men don't assess like that. They're just looking at her and she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's fit. And he'll say, well, I want to date her, Katie. And then I have to slow him down a little bit. Let me explain to you this photo and what, what she's wearing, what the car behind her, what this represents. And if he's Mr. Alaska, wants to go hunting all the time, you might like the look of her, but that is not a right fit for you. It's not a lifestyle fit. Uh, and I'll still let him go out with her. Sometimes they need to learn on the date that uh, his sophistication level is not going to meet hers. I mean, he wanted to go on a date with an, an art curator in New York. Like, her <laughs> life is not his life. <laughs> it's, just, it's cute in theory, but it's not in reality. So was it the visual that attracted him to this gal? Obviously, he wasn't a patron of the arts, but... <laughs> Men are visual, 100%. Men are visual. Uh, you said it earlier, you called it your... My primal, uh, in, you my primal instinct. Correct. Yeah. And uh, But you know what's interesting? Women are becoming very visual as well. Because they're, they're turning into their own boss babes, making their own money. They want a, you know, they don't need a man for security and finances anymore. So they want a man with six-pack abs and a good head of hair. And so they will just keep waiting until they can find this man of perfection who's hot, which I say, ladies, do not date the hot guy. Nope. Bad idea. So, so I wanted to circle back to something that you, that you had said about your clients, men and women, coming to you with this laundry list of, of their ideal um, attributes of a, of a partner there. And it was something that I talked about and I was going to segue into the intuition question, but my esteemed co-host here beat me to it, um, that I was one of those people, right? Thinking that I was very clear on who I wanted in my life. I could put 32 of those attributes down in an Excel, Excel spreadsheet. And, and so then I met that person, okay, that had 31 out of probably 32. And it never set well. I always had some level um, of, of angst um, when I was with her. That, that angst turned into full-on anxiety, which turned on to full-on dread. And, I mean, that sounds wow. bad, right? And so and I'm thinking, I'm trying to, I'm, my conscience is trying to override my intuition, right? Saying, okay, there's nothing that she said. There's nothing in her background. 
She's 31 out of 32 on the Expel spread uh, sheet. So what is wrong with you? What, why, why, are you not, why are you not becoming comfortable with this woman? She, you know, she was extremely nice, you know, and, and you know, um, understood that there was some stuff going on with me to try and become familiar with her and stuff. And, and ultimately, I had to have this conversation, this cliche conversation with her. It, it isn't you, it's me, which was true, right? Because I believe that the chemistry, there was just not the chemistry for me there. In, in, on paper, she met all the attributes, and I just didn't have that chemical reaction that I needed to have there. Chemistry is a whole nother topic, which we need to come back to. Okay. And I'm curious, because I do want to address this. When you knew that she wasn't your right one, right? was there an aha moment? I don't think there was an aha moment. There was, um, I think for me, it was learning to trust my intuition again. And I, I had, I've, I've spent a better part of, of my whole life trying to figure that out. And I think that was the aha moment for me was, listen, my gut's trying to tell me something that my conscience is, is trying to overwrite here. Right. So <clears throat> when I'm sitting there with her enjoying a nice evening, and I'm thinking to my, in, thinking to myself, I'd rather be watching ESPN by myself than sitting on, <laughs> on the couch with her right now was probably the aha moment that I'm thinking, okay, I'm not being fair to her right now. And I have to be, right. unfortunately, brutally honest, not malicious, but brutally honest with her that this isn't working for me. And so that I struck the checklist. After that, I took the checklist off the table and said, it's about connection for me. Well, and it's fair. I'm glad that you let her go because she deserves someone who adores her. Absolutely. And you adored her enough for that season, but you realized. I think a lot of people need to hear that story. So thanks for sharing. Sure. Um, but I worked in high-end clothing retail, and I, I use this word picture. Just because you like it on the hanger doesn't mean it's a right fit. I mean, ladies, you've gone shopping enough. You see this cute dress. It's frilly and pink and adorable. And you put it on, and you feel like a piece of bubblegum. It's not good. I know on me, I look fat. Frills are not my best look. But I loved it on the hanger. Just wasn't the right fit. And dating is a lot like that. So you have to remember that just because you like the idea of it doesn't mean the reality works. Do you a lot there's... of people live on what I call fantasy island. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's a double standard in terms of what men can look like or what they're expected to look like versus what you're saying, you know, women should look like or what the men are kind of looking for? I mean, I, you know, I see a lot. I'll see like the most. Oh, uh, the standard's only different. Pardon me? Go ahead. Sorry. I was Go ahead. Saying, I mean, I see a lot. You'll see like the most beautiful woman, right? With this guy who is not so beautiful. And, you know, women are expected to look a certain way and, um, you know, do all of that, why are men not expected to do the same? Well, they're expected to have the money. Well, what if the woman makes the money? The, the beautiful woman who's making the money is not hanging out with the ugly guy. It's not the common. And I'm just being very honest about this reality. What I actually think is that it's a value set. 
that she has a lot of self-value, takes pride in what she looks like, which is effort. You know, being thin, eating right, taking care of your skin, getting good sleep, drinking your water. I mean, if, if being pretty was easy, everybody would be pretty. And look, as we age, I, I saw myself this morning. I didn't look like this. This was effort. So, I, and I think the truth of that. We'll take a picture so we can see. Oh, I, I will show you. I have no fear. <laughs> but I think what, what people do is it's the same value. Men who work their buns off, it's sexy because it's their effort. And so it's an effort equality. And I'm okay with that. Like, look, if when women work so much, and I have a lot of women who are, you know, C-suite executives, and they look frazzled. And they'll tell me that. Like, you can tell their hair and makeup, their outfits, and dated, because they don't have time. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, you don't have enough time to be everything. So you end up being C-minus in across the board. So the idea is that caring and presenting yourself well and in a feminine fit and a fun way is still work. And ultimately, she could be the most beautiful woman, whether she's naggy, if she's bitchy, if she's cranky, if she's rude, even wealthy men won't date her. It doesn't matter. She will, she will keep running the gamut and date everything, but nobody will ever want to stay with her. Um, I have a question so, for you, if you don't mind. Um, when you're working with somebody who uh, doesn't feel as good about themselves as they may look to you, um, how do you help somebody recognize their value when they don't feel, you know, like they, when they don't feel deserving of it? Well, the first thing we do is work on how we can fix that. Do we need to lose a couple of pounds? Let's do it. I used to be a trainer at Equinox. I've never heard anybody complain about looking good in their skinny jeans. <laughs> Let's be honest. Everybody wants the lights on. Is that guys too? In skinny jeans? <laughs> Well, I, I'm thinking about yeah. a, there, yeah. was, there was a woman who came to see me once who, when she walked in the door, uh, I didn't, I couldn't believe that there was a person that actually in real life looked that way without, um, you know, uh, she just didn't look real. She was uh, inherently an incredibly beautiful woman. And I, I asked her, you know, was she born this way? And she said, yeah, she never had any cosmetic anything. And, um, I was talking to her and she told me that uh, the biggest problem in her life was that her husband would show her pictures of other women in fashion magazines and tell her that she was ugly and how come she didn't look like that. And I, that was, I, I learned something in that moment that it was just stunning to me that she could not, because I'm sure everywhere she went, people would stare at her because she was that unusual. Um, but from her perspective, because of the way that she was raised, she just thought that she was ugly and didn't bring much to the table I know that's a rather extreme situation, but I'm wondering if you yeah. occasionally encounter someone that really cannot see who they are. I mean, that's always a deeper issue. And I'm just a dating coach. Oh, okay. I'm not really a relationship coach. But I would be honest enough to say to her, you know, why are you with him? Obviously, if he doesn't value you and she needs to figure out her attachment theories, which is something she'd have to walk through with a therapist. Right. Most of my clients also have a therapist. Oh, okay. That's and it blends. Yeah. And they, they always say the therapist loves me 
I'm just out there to get them a little bit more bold about dating, a little fun, flirty. And if they're crying with me, all good. I love them. I want the best for them. They know I'm their biggest cheerleader. But those deeper heart issues are something I would encourage them to get therapy for. So it, it's not necessarily a requirement of yours that the person that you uh, have as, as a client is in therapy, or does it just happen to turn out that way? Most of my clients who can afford me are already of that caliber person who are growing, reaching out to people so they can, you know, be coached, you know, increase their EQ, their emotional quotient. So almost every single one just happened to be having therapy. And then they bring on the dating coach because they feel like they're ready. You know, they've built their foundation of who they are, their worth, their value set. It's not on sand. It's on a, on a rock now. And, and that's the only way you can really do well in relationships. Relationships are work, but they shouldn't be hard. When they're consistently hard, it's not your best fit. Okay. So Dana and I talked about, uh, during this relationship series, we talked about dependency. Dependency has a, a dirty word in society, or at least it has a, a negative context for most people because they think if I have to be dependent on somebody, uh, God forbid, right? Um, that, that we have a culture of individualism now that, that we've probably depend less on people. And I'm speaking in generalizations here, so nobody slay me at the moment. Um, but um, Dana and I took have a, a bit different take on it and we, we did an episode on healthy dependency so I'm I'm interested in in specifically your clientele and, and their take on dependency so I'm very old school I like gender roles I think there's a reason for them and I think women do best when they can relax in their feminine and love the people and their area around them and men appreciate that the men that I work with want that but the problem in this generation like you said is this new boss babe mentality i don't need you i don't need no man it is not good and interesting my daughter goes to ucla she's a freshman she says mom all these upperclassmen like me because i'm wifey material <laughs> and i said good you should know how to cook and clean and be a sweet woman what happened to that so I would agree. I believe people are better together. Life is better together. And I think it's important that we realize there's, there's things as a woman, sure, I can take out my own garbage. My daughter can take out the garbage, but her brother's going to do it. And I can open my own door. But if a man does it, I'm going to say thank you. So I think that's kind of how it plays out in this this generation is I don't need you. I can do it without you. You know, you're, you're holding me back, which is not, I think most men are really good guys and they kind of miss that old school vibe. And most of my clients are very old school like me. So you don't, you don't have to deal or, or coach a lot on overcoming that dependency uh, negative. I, I would coach more, for example, with my female clients. They feel like they always have to go half on a first date. And I'm like, why? If he can't afford to buy you a meal, 
why would why would you even be out with him? So, so, so sh- they need to learn how to receive. So chivalry's not dead yet. No. No, I, I was being I was being facetious <laughs> there. Strange. No, uh, we're we're fanning the flame, us ladies. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting, as I was saying uh, during the intro, um, that I followed you for quite some time now, and and have listened to a lot of advice that you've given. And I've been somewhat blown away by some of the naivety of of people um, in basic communication skills um, in terms of, and I think clients have asked you, what do I talk about on a date? Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's like, if you have to ask that question, why are you even going on a date? Right. And, and so Dana, Dana, Dana always puts me back in my place saying, well, not everybody's like you, not everybody can approach somebody, not everybody can carry on a right. conversation like that. So you can't, you can't look at it like everybody's <laughs> like you, right? In that, but, but again, it, it, I guess from the standpoint of, you know, your clients aren't 21 years old, right? And, and, you know, they've had some life experience behind them, but, but asking a general question about, Katie, what do I talk about when I go to dinner on this date? Um, kind of blows me away. I hate to say this, but people are boring. <laughs> I don't know if it's because they just haven't curated their lives well, or we've all gotten used to our phones, so we've lost some skill sets. I know that's true for the younger generation. Um, but it is true. I even have an Instagram reel where it's like nine cute questions to ask on a date, and they're cheesy, but they are kind of fun. Um, I was thinking, you know, like even it, like even when people are direct, so let's say you're not on a date, but I had a, a client, she said, Katie, I don't understand. This guy says he's not looking for a long-term relationship. What does that mean? Honestly, what do you think it means? <laughs> it means he's not looking for a long-term relationship. <laughs> Here's a guy who's honest and direct, good communicator, and she's still, she, you know, she's still questioned it. Hello, La La Land. So it's true. People just, um, they're just not excited about dating. So when they come and sit at a table, they're really just, they think it's, oh, this one more date. It's drudgery. I did have a guy, great guy. And I realized we were chatting and chatting and he never asked me a question. So I called him out. Like, I've asked you 10 questions. You haven't asked me them back. And he said, Katie, I was being a good listener. So he didn't think what he was doing was wrong. As a matter of fact, he thought he was being a really good listener. And he knew all the things that I had said. So can I fault him for that? You know, but I think he learned that this has to be a two-way street. If I ask you that question, I probably want that question back. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You can't completely fault him, but he obviously didn't know the the skill of active listening, right, and providing feedback or or some level of of like, oh, okay, you are listening to me, not just nodding your head. Well, I love that word, active listening. So, with my kids, and let's remember, as parents, single parents, it is our job to teach our kids this kind of stuff. So, for example, with my boys. If I come out looking nice, they're not allowed to say, mom, you look nice. W- what does that mean? Nice? What does that mean? I mean, so they have to give me an exact specific detail of what they like about my outfit. 
which is setting them up for success in dating. So that's a great skill set to teach your kid. No, no, I 100% agree with you because I have kids similar age as you and, and Justine as well here. And I don't allow them to use the word sure. Because sure yeah. is one foot in and one foot out. That's half yes and half no. Unless something better comes along, sure. Yeah. Right? So I don't accept that as an answer for my children. So today I, I figured I did my hair and makeup. I said to my 20-year-old daughter, she's home from college, hey, would you mind doing a little quick photo shoot with me? And she, did, she probably said, sure. I said, where is your enthusiastic yes? <laughs> I learned that in a relationship class. Like, yes, babe, let's do it. Let's go on a hot air balloon. Let's go to Machu Picchu. Everyone's looking for that at this season in life. Not boring. Sure is boring. Yeah, you know, um, my wife recently asked me if I had any regrets in the course of our marriage because we've been married for like, I don't know, 45 years. <laughs> and I said to her, the thing that I really regret the most is that I never told you how often I felt how beautiful you are. Aww. And I really regret not saying it as much as I really wish that I would have, because what you're saying is really true, that um, being really specific about um, what, what I'm seeing, and I'm thinking to myself, well, she knows that I think she's beautiful, so why do I have to say it? And now I look back and I think, God, Dan, you're such an idiot. Why couldn't you say it out loud, right? So I try to make up for it by telling her that I feel bad about that, and then you know, try to notice more because I think a lot of men live in their own little world sometimes and and they may notice, but they don't say anything because they just assume it's uh, a given. It's always I, nice to hear. So I, I'm giving this advice to men if they're listening. Uh, when I, I would go one step further. Yeah. Within the first five minutes, tell her exactly what you like about her outfit, her hair, her eye color. First five minutes. Are, are, you, are, you, are you writing that down? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the biggest mistake I make is, is that something new that you're wearing? <laughs> no, I've had this for about 10 years. <laughs> oh, you just noticed. <laughs> so, so, Katie, I know you're a woman of faith. Um, one of the premises that Dana and I work from, especially from the, the Fear Me Out perspective and, and managing fear um, is through intuition and faith or intuition and, and belief. Um, so how much does, and, and we live obviously in a polarized world now um, in, in terms of politics and, and faith and, and walking to grocery stores with or without a mask on and, and so on and so forth. And the conversations that you could have two years ago, you definitely can't have now. How much has that affected the dating world in, in terms of, of you looking at your clients and, and trying to, to match them in, in terms of whether they are, you know, have a, a secular practice, that they have a spiritual practice, um, there's a belief in themselves, and, and how much does actually politics play in, in terms of, of you putting people together or coaching people in relationships? Huge. M more I so. I mean, the politics. The vaccination, especially in California, let's be honest, we all live in this, you know, from San Diego to Santa Barbara, it's very important. Um, politics, vaccinations, interesting, you know, Christian to Catholic to spiritual, you know, everyone's got their own definition of everything. I have a client, he's Christian, but he doesn't go to church. 
It doesn't want a Christian girl who goes to church. It wants a Christian girl who doesn't go to church, but not spiritual. It's crazy. It's hard. But there's definitely a point where people appreciate that I stand on one side. So they know that I am bringing in like-minded people. Because at the end of the day, look, I think, I think it's cute that opposites attract, but I don't think they stick. I'd rather be more Velcro or I want to be with my other half of my apple. I don't need to be like half of an apple and half of a pear. It just, I don't think it works. That would be and an I interesting don't, I don't push it. So do you counsel your clients then on, on conversations not to have, especially as you're getting to know each other? I think the biggest one is don't talk about your ex. But here's the irony. When a date gets finished, everybody gets a feedback form. And there's three truths to every story. His truth, her truth, and the truth. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, oh, he talked about his ex. And he'll say, I didn't talk about my ex. And I'll tell him, because he's the client, well, she said that you talked about your ex. And he says, well, she asked me about my ex. So, I mean, it's like you can't win on that. But I think people get really turned off. I was at a pool party this weekend. And sure enough, this guy keeps talking about his sexual escapades in college, his ex-wife, how great his abs were. And it's like, enough. Enough with it. Is this, is this your MO? Because, I mean, I'm smart enough to know not to let it work on me. But uh, it was gross. Yeah, that, that apparently, uh, I'll, I'll turning to speak to the psychologist here, that apparently is a self-esteem issue. Yeah. Uh, if you got to advertise it, there's a problem. <laughs> right? It's like, the, it's like when the psychic people are on TV advertising. They don't have to advertise if they're psychic. People should just know. Just, <laughs> just know. Yes, exactly. Or when the Jehovah's Witnesses come along and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not very nice. We won't go there. <laughs> so, well, and I call it this. What's so up? women want an alpha male, right? Right. All the women in their bios, I want this badass, hardworking, go-getter man. Well, to become that kind of guy, you kind of have to become an asshole. And sometimes they parlay that into their relationships. In business and climb the ladder, you got to crack a couple nuts. But the problem with that is that guy is gregarious and he shows up and he's like that with everybody. And that's not what the woman really deeply wants. Because he's always advertising, but he's doing it to you and to the woman in first class and to the girls at the bar. And it's not good. So I always tell women, you want the alpha awesome. He's quieter. He walks in the room. He's not Mr. Pompous. He sold this company for a lot of money. He works hard. He's thoughtful. He's not a beta. He looks like a beta maybe, but he's not. So they don't need to advertise I know lots of guys like that. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because I see a fair number of young uh, adolescent girls who feel like uh, if they want to be popular, they have to engage in sexual activities that they're not interested in, but they feel like if they don't, that they're going to be left out. So what I try to help them understand is that if they look for the guys that are shy and look for the guys that are, that are a little bit quieter and not quite as 
boastful and maybe not at the very top of the popularity ladder, they're going to find really nice people who will treat them with respect. So it's the same thing that you're saying in a way. What age are these girls? Sometimes 13 or 14 years old. You'd be shocked. Nobody should be dating. My kids don't date. I do not encourage dating. I'm not. I look sure. at adults who are in their 40s and they can't even figure it out. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not sure. Why are teenagers dating? It's not even dating. Yeah, it's not dating. <laughs> it's not even dating. It's when, you know, ever since uh, Bill Clinton was president and, and redefined sexual uh, contact, they think that if they're not having intercourse and they're not having sex. I'm a believer. Keep your kids so busy (laughs) where you can see them all the time. My kids, my kids don't even think about that. Not even close. There's a situation with parenting and that'll be a book one day. Yeah. I'm going to write a book on parenting. So you guys just gave me the perfect segue to jump into the weeds right now. So when is it the right time to have sex when you're dating? Or is there a right time? Well, I mean, that's dependent on everybody. Let's do scenario number one. First date, you have sex on the first date. Ladies, the only thing here is, do not think you're going to own him just because you had sex with him. All you have to do is say, I had sex because I wanted sex. Thanks. Well, but you, know, you have to keep really cool about it. But you also create Otherwise, a false, you're going to get a heartbreak. You create a false sense of intimacy when you have sex with somebody you don't know. Absolutely. It's a great way to ruin but a relationship. People are doing it. But I will tell you, I'm batting pretty much zero when I encourage people to wait. <laughs> wait for how long? Or going back to the primal instinct comment we'll, again. Wait until they feel safe with the person. I would say, and I only brought up the other example because it happens. You just have to play it cool if you're a woman. So, you can't piss on the tree and think you own the tree, you know, and if he didn't happens. DTR determine that relationship, you're nothing. Do those relationships. So you should wait till last? you've had the combo. And do those relationships usually last the women that are having sex on the first date? Sure. So, I mean, look, I'm a strong Christian, but I know relationships that have had sex on the first date, got married and they're still married. I know relationships that waited, didn't have sex till they're married, and they're divorced. Right. I mean, it's, I, I can't say what's right or wrong. I can say what's right or wrong for me. Right. So I may emasculate myself here, but as I, <laughs> as right. I get older, I crave the connection uh, before I can actually have sex with a woman. Um, because it just seems like a veiled act to me otherwise. Um, just kind of going through the motions, oh, that was, f- you know, fun and, and be done with it. But having that connection with somebody, um, knowing them a little bit, knowing their body, um, just makes it 10 times better. Nobody's- well, that's called making love. Right. That's not sex. I, I don't know, are, are the lines blurred on that? Or is it, I mean, is there a differentiation be, between making love and having sex? Oh, I think so. I think that uh, that it, if you want to have sex, you can have sex pretty much any time yeah. you want, generally speaking. Um, uh, but I think making love, it can only happen with certain people. I think sex is that first date. 
you guys have chemistry, which I don't agree with. Chemistry, chemistry is baloney. It's there, but it doesn't, it's not long lasting. It's the embers that keep a fire burning, not the spark. But um, so yes, you can have sex with anybody, but you're talking about making love. So, I mean, does it come up with your clients at all in, in terms of either men or women asking you when the appropriate time is or, or asking you, you know, how they can be beat around the bush or be blatantly honest with their uh, romantic partner about asking for sex? I prefer they let me know where they're going with it. And I'll be honest, sometimes these women, because our clients have a matchmaker, these women value that. And so they want to lock these guys down. Like if you're a successful man, women want to lock you down fast. So they'll have sex with you quickly thinking that, oh, I'm going to keep them just because I gave it away. And it can happen inside of matchmaking, out on dating apps. So women are giving away them, themselves quickly for that. Kind of to, to be taken. They want to be taken so bad that they give it away. And look, at the end of the day, all, all of that down there is a commodity. My favorite book I've read is called The Power of the Pussy. And there's value to that. And so I do agree with you. You should wait. You should hold out. Don't give the cookies. You know, what is what is a, who's that one guy? He says three months. Don't give out the cookies for three months. <laughs> Who is that? Uh, I'll think of it. But yeah, clients go. So some of my clients have women coming on like wanting to like get in their pants and go home and get in their bed. And these guys are like, no, thanks. You know, but then the opposite is Katie. I really like this girl. I'm going to take her on a trip on a weekend. I'll get her a separate room. But then, you know, it's just cause they actually quality like this girl, but these girls freak out. They think that he's love bombing. And so they step back and they jump him real fast. You know, they dump him real fast. And that's not good either. There's a term that a lot of my male friends use called transactional, that relationships have always been transactional, and they're even more so transactional now than they've ever been. Is that is that something familiar to you at all or that you've heard? I mean, everything's transactional. Everything has a value set to it. So I can't dismiss that business word appropriation to it. Um, I'd love for it to be purely emotional and always clean. But I, again, it goes back to dependency is, you know, I was married to a man. I stayed home. He made all the money. I did all the housework. There's a value set that we're exchanging. Is that transactional? Slightly is. Am I dependent on him? Yes. Is he dependent on me? Yes. I'm not going to poo-poo these, this business-minded um, verbiage just so it can all be romanticized because this romantic idea is a little bit la la land too. Uh, so I always say this, when you get married young, you're like two entrepreneurs and you think everything's going to go well. And it, you have no idea what it's really like. When you you're in the business, it's failing. You get divorced. You're in round two, like a lot of us. And sure enough, it's more of a, it's like a merger. So you have to see what company A and company B brings to the table. Let's, I guess I'm a little bit more on the realistic side. 
then this whole everything is, you know, emotionally perfect and equal. You know, and there are websites for this transaction nowadays. I mean, it's out there and there are clients who ask me about that and I don't do that. Um, but look, at the end of the day, he wants something, she wants something. Everybody has a value and a need. What are the top things that you see that people break up over or it doesn't work out? Like, is there a common theme? That's a good question. Um, good job, Justine. The female in the room. People don't give the other person time. It's not an equal giving. Uh, so I'm a believer that men should put the effort in. And if a woman likes you back, she shouldn't mirror that effort. So if he's wanting to take you out twice a week, if you like him enough, you'll figure it out and you'll go out with him right. twice a week. But if she never has time, she's too busy with her kids, he's too busy working, whatever the reasons are, if someone's not giving you that mutual time, break up. That's really Because then it's hard. Because it could be a great relationship, but they're just, neither one of them are putting the right amount of time into it and then it's not working. That's a bummer. Right. That and weird. I get a lot of like, uh, so I'm a believer three dates, three weeks, three months. And usually after three weeks, you start to see some of the weird factors. I had a client, he was dating a girl, really liked her. He put a lot of effort in. She, she then proceeded to say about a month in, you know, I talked to aliens. Um, I need to know what exact time you were born. Crystals everywhere in her house. Too much. Too much. And I still, going back to what you said earlier, I still find it so astounding that you, your clientele is smart, they're successful, they're, you know, involved in life and the world and business, and they still go to a date and they're like, what do I talk about? Well, I mean, I prep my clients, but my, even my Instagram followers, um, my clients mostly struggle with like, Katie, I like her, what next? And this is why, and so this is why I'm on Team Good Guy, because every woman has a different structure of how she likes things. I like men to move quickly. Be the man with the plan. Show me you like me. Like, grab me as, as much as you can so that I know. And then you have other women who are like, I'm busy this week. I can do next week. I don't know. I have to think about it. She has to talk to her girlfriends about this guy. So he doesn't know how to traverse right. this whole situation. And for most of my male clients, that's their biggest issue. It's is like, what something? next? I like her. But is that just women? Like, is that just difference in women's personalities? So you're sort of the middle person where you're like, listen, she's just a slow roller. She likes yeah. you. Take your time. She's around. Yes, until it's been a month and she's still really not putting the effort back in. Right. Then I have to remind them, look, you deserve better. You deserve someone who adores you back. Right. Yeah. Because most of these guys will stick it out. I mean, I got to give guys credit. They're dealing with some crazy over here. And they, if they really like you, they're pretty flexible. They're willing to make it work. Yeah. Sounds like they're busy too. So they have a little more time to wait around. I know we talked about yeah. this earlier in the episode, but direct and honest communication instead of walking on eggshells. Um, is that, I mean, you know, because I, 
I think when two people like each other or one person likes each other and they're not sure if that other person likes them, it, it's kind of this dance that they do instead of being direct and say, hey, I really like you. I would really like to see you more. I'd really like this to, to work out. And, and maybe it's not reciprocated on the other side and they don't want to hurt that other person's feelings. And then so now you're in this gray area for weeks or potentially months where one person's on one side thinking it's going one way and the other person's thinking it's going the other way. Uh, Great point. Big issue in dating. Couple thoughts on that. So you, you can't worry that you're like breaking someone's heart, especially in the early stages of dating. I believe when you're dating someone, you're literally just actively going on dates. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing them exclusively and you're not in a long-term relationship. So you're dating. You have to assume they're dating other people. Even if they're not, you might be. Doesn't matter. You, you haven't defined anything. But in three dates, three weeks, and three months, you should decide, is this person worth it? Where are we at? I love a man who's honest and direct, but men know in three seconds. Women know in about three dates if they like you. And I've had a lot of men get upset. Well, they should know as quick as I know. Women just don't. We have, we're overthinking, you know, can I marry him? Can I, will my kids like him? Like, I got to talk to my girlfriends. So you just have to be more patient with women. And then the other thing I teach my clients is this idea of how many toes in are you? A lot of times people put like four toes in, you know, out of your 10 toes, you're testing the water. Like just one toe, just put one toe in the water and see how you like the water. Is it a good temperature? So if you're just dating, you should have one toe in. When you start putting more toes in is when you get heartbroken and your feelings get hurt. Again, I'm a little bit more transactional, business-minded on this, but you can't give all of your heart to one person when you're dating. So we're bumping up against the uh, allotted time for us today. And, and boy, there's been a lot of information uh, in terms of dating. Um, and, and we didn't even get to the bumbles and the hinges and the matches and, and, and things like that. But uh, maybe we can get back to that on a, on a, on a second thing. But I, I do want to get your expertise because I'm sure there's some people listening right now and saying, okay, I'm in the dating pool. I've been in the dating pool. I'm really frustrated with it right? Um, I, I've tried different social media sites. I've tried picking up on the guy or the girl at the produce section at, at Whole Foods and, and nothing's working for me. So as the voice of reason and the voice of hope, what type of, <laughs> uh, of advice would you give those people? You got to keep trying. It's a numbers game. Your one is out there. You got to have faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. So you got to keep going. So, so it just becomes a, a numbers game. And so somebody's going to sit there and think, well, they're going to think of their analytical mind. Does that mean I have to kiss 50 frogs to find that one? Or is it 500 so I believe frogs? the number is 30, actually. Is it 30 frogs? Okay. <laughs> That's what I've come to. Okay. In my decade of doing this, it takes about 30 dates to find your one. And in that process, you're learning. And especially if you're with me, 
you're growing, you're becoming more focused, you're learning how to vet, you're learning to see what you do and what you don't want. And so, yeah, I think that's really part of the key and to enjoy all 30 dates. They're great people. Otherwise you wouldn't have been out with them. Well, that was a lot of information. Uh, anything else from my uh, esteemed co-hosts here today? I have a personal question. <laughs> are you dating? Are you married? I usually don't share this um, because I do try to keep it personal. And I have dated for the last 12 years. I'm not married. I do want to get married again. And I have met somebody who is online. I'm a big proponent of online. And uh, we have a long distance relationship. Aww. And it's been going for a couple of years. Aww. Congratulations. And you can make it work. Yeah. Good for you. So, and so that's a good, that's another good point before we end this. And in terms of, you know, Santa Barbara is a smaller town. It's smaller than Orange County. It's smaller than Los Angeles, right? So the, so the available applicants in the dating pool and, and those that are, are, I guess, not fearful enough to, to, uh, to actually put themselves out there. Um, and you talk about the number game, um, that you don't have to necessarily date within your geography. I almost said demographic, but that would have been personal. But uh, geography. That, yes, long, that long-term the relationship. Fish in your ponds are not the fish you want to catch. And, and, and when we talk about long-distance relationships, is there a, a geographic boundary that, that it should be within – uh, an air, airplane flight should be within a number of hours of driving to, to actually make it work, or does it really matter? I would say it shouldn't matter for the right person, but I've dated long distance, and I would much rather fly for two hours than drive for two hours. Um, and here's my thing, too, is if you're going to date long distance, you have to know the number of days you can go until you start getting restless. And we've pinned that down to 10. So every 10 days we see each other. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of work. You have to be able to financially and energetically sustain that. Right. And is it up to is it up to the man to put more of the effort into it, at least initially? Or do you think it, it it's a, uh, a, a split um, decision on you spend time there, he spends time where you live? Or how do you, how do you look at that? It's 100% the man's job to put the effort into pursuing her. How that looks depends on who's got more availability. I mean, it depends. I had kids, so he came out this way more. Now it's different. My kids are gone, so I can go that way more. But really, I, may I just end with this? Sure. Men should pursue women. I've never met a woman who said she has no problem being the pursuer. Never. Well, there we go. That that okay. that's the perfect ending for the dating with Katie episode, Absolutely. and and she is the voice of reason and the voice of hope for all of us that are still single out there, that are looking for that unicorn in this world. Thank you, Katie. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank. Thanks you. for having me, and let's talk about chemistry next time. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. We appreciate our listeners and are interested in your comments and suggestions feel free to email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, please email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.